Welcome to the Dhamma Podcast. The audio recording that follows was recorded during S.N. Goenka's tour of North America in 2002, known as the Meditation Now Tour. This podcast will be updated monthly, with additional archives from S.N. Goenka's talks and questions and answer sessions, as well as other speakers discussing aspects of Vipassana meditation as taught by S.N. Goenka. This podcast is sponsored by Pariyati, a nonprofit publisher that offers written, audio, and video content and whose mission is to enrich the world by disseminating the words of the Buddha, providing sustenance for the seeker's journey, and illuminating the meditator's path. For more information regarding Pariyati, please go to www.pariyati.org. That is www.pariyati.org. For more information on Vipassana meditation, as taught by S. Goenka, including a schedule of courses offered throughout the world, please see www.dhamma.org. That is www.dhamma.org. Friends, noble citizens of Seattle, the noble city of this great country, you have all assembled here this evening to understand what is Vipassana and how does it help us in our day-to-day life? Vipassana is spirituality, applied spirituality, practical spirituality, spirituality which is the quintessence of every religion worth the name. Greatest common factor, common denominator of all the religions. Spirituality means to live a moral life with disciplined mind, pure mind, full of love, compassion, goodwill, tolerance. Every religion teaches morality, which means abstain from all unwholesome actions, vocal as well as physical. Unwholesome actions which hurt and harm other beings, which disturb the peace and harmony of other beings, one should abstain from that. That means don't kill, don't steal anything that does not belong to you. Don't commit sexual misconduct, no rape, no adultery. Don't speak lies to deceive others. Don't speak harsh words which hurt others. Don't get intoxicated because most of the crimes are committed under the influence of intoxication. We are giving courses in the prisons 
and we have noticed that large number of prisoners have committed crime under the influence of liquor. So don't get intoxicated. These are the teachings of every religion. But then, to practice it, one is to have the control over the mind, mastery over the mind. One must have a disciplined mind. Not only that, one must have a pure mind, a pure mind full of love, compassion, goodwill, and tolerance. This is acceptable to every religion of the world. This is the teaching of every religion of the world. And Vipassana gives a practical way how to live a spiritual life. Mere preaching won't help. There must be a practice. And Vipassana helps us to practice and live a spiritual life. Every religion has the same teaching as the essence. The inner essence of every religion is the same. But the outer shell always differs from one religion to another religion. It differs. Different rites, different rituals, different ceremonies, celebrations, different philosophical beliefs, dogmas, cults, blind faiths, always differ. Differ from one religion to another. If we tolerate, let people be happy with their own outer shell, so long as they practice this inner essence, a moral life, disciplined mind, pure mind, full of love, compassion, goodwill, there is no problem. The problem comes when we miss this inner essence. Every religion or the follower of every religion keep on saying, our religion also has got the same teaching, have the same teaching, but all importance is given to this outer shell. And not only that, one develops enormous attachment to this outer shell. My rites and rituals are correct. My celebration is correct. My belief is the correct belief. And then the trouble starts. If you have so much attachment, to your own belief, your own dogma, your own cult, then out of ignorance, out of attachment, you try to convert everybody else to your religion. And that creates difficulty. If all importance is given to this inner sense and let people be happy with their outer shell, with different ceremonies, different beliefs, nothing wrong. But when you forget 
the inner essence, then all these trouble stars, fundamentalism, extremism, terrorism, people go blind. I am correct, everybody else is wrong. My religion is the right religion, everybody else is wrong. So may everybody else be converted to my religion. That difficulty had been there in the past, is still there. Vipassana helps us to give all importance to this inner essence in a practical way. Now the teaching is there, live a moral life, don't perform any action which will disturb others, which will harm others. But how? One doesn't have control over the mind. Vipassana teaches control over the mind. Even if you have control over the mind, the surface of the mind becomes pure, free from negativity. But deep inside, at the root level, there is a habit pattern which keeps on generating one defilement or the other, one defilement or the other, keeps on generating misery after misery, and time again, time again, a volcanic eruption. At the surface level, your mind is very calm, tranquil, pure, but deep inside, there's a big stock of impurity and a continuous process of generating impurity, impurity, this volcanic eruption, and you are again the same person. Therefore, Vipassana wants us to work at the root level of the mind. This was a great discovery of Buddha, a super scientist of the spiritual world. I don't know how people started saying him as a founder of a religion. He was not a founder of any religion, a wrong perception. He was a scientist. He discovered the truth, how one becomes miserable, and how this misery can be eradicated, not just at the surface level, at the deepest level. Investigating the truth within the framework of the body, going deeper, 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 dividing, dissecting, disintegrating, making analytical study, how the mind keeps on influencing the body, and in turn how the body keeps on influencing the mind at a very deep level. And one starts generating this defilement or that defilement. At the surface level, conscious mind does not know, always remains ignorant of what is happening deep inside. And because one remains ignorant, one keeps on generating defilement after defilement, and every defilement is nothing but a misery. Whenever one generates any defilement, one starts suffering, suffering. The mind loses its balance. The mind loses its peace, its harmony, its happiness. Misery, misery. So Vipassana takes us to the depth of the mind, the root level of the mind. To discipline the mind at the surface level, 
to purify the mind at the surface level. There were many techniques in those days, many techniques even today which are helpful. We don't say they are useless, they are helpful. But a technique which takes us to the root level of the mind where the impurity gets generated, where the impurity keeps on multiplying, 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 and it overpowers us. Vipassana helps us to go to that depth. For that one requires a very sharp mind, a very subtle mind, very sensitive mind. Therefore, whenever you decide to learn this technique, you have to give ten days of your life, which looks too much. I am such a busy person. How can I spare ten days? Oh, it is too much, I can't, I can't. But when you learn the technique, you understand it is absolutely essential. For first three days, you are just sharpening your mind, sharpening your mind. Whenever you decide to take a ten-day course of Vipassana, you will join a camp, very congenial atmosphere, somebody experienced to guide you, and the process is to realize the truth about yourself, what is happening within the framework of the body. All the sages and saints and seers of the past has advised us, know thyself, know thyself. How to know myself? Just accepting at the intellectual level or accepting at the emotional or devotional level doesn't work. At the actual level, at the experiential level, what is this physical structure which one keeps on saying, I, mine, I, mine? What is this mental structure which one keeps on saying, I, mine, I, mine? So much of identification with this mind and matter and so much of attachment towards this mind-matter phenomena. One has to realize the truth about it because more the attachment to this mind-matter phenomena more the defilements will arise, more misery will arise. So one has to explore the truth about oneself. You join a course, you will be asked to sit, sit comfortably, comfortably in any posture that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch is a good posture. Not necessarily a lotus posture or half lotus posture. If someone can sit lotus posture, Go ahead, nothing wrong. Otherwise, any posture that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch is a good posture. Keep your back and the neck straight because this makes your mind very alert. Keep your eyes gently closed. Eyes are good, no function. If you keep your eyes open, the objects outside will distract your mind and you have to observe the truth inside. Keep your eyes gently closed. Keep your mouth gently closed. And now see what reality, what reality has started manifesting itself. Reality, no imagination. Reality that you are experiencing. You will notice 
the first reality that you will notice is the breath coming in, the breath going out. It is real. No imagination is involved. Just start with this. This is the reality of this moment, the breath coming in, the breath going out. Never make it a breathing exercise. Don't try to control the breath. That is a different technique altogether. It has its own advantages, but totally different from Vipassana. We call that pranayama. It's good for our body health, but this is totally different. You are developing your faculty to be aware of the reality as it is, not as you would like it to be. The breath as it is. If it is deep, it is deep. If it is shallow, it is shallow. Passing through left nostril, left nostril. Right nostril, right nostril. Never try to interfere with the natural flow of the breath. Like someone sitting at the bank of the river and river is flowing. This person is just sitting at the bank of the river and observing the flow of the river. One does nothing for the flow of the river. As it is, one keeps on observing. So simple. You have to keep your attention at the entrance of the nostrils and keep on observing, keep on feeling the flow of the breath coming in, going out. So easy. Yet when you will come to a course, you will find very difficult. Very difficult. You will hardly observe a couple of breaths and the mind is gone somewhere. And you realize, oh, I was here to observe the breath. What happened? All right, you start again. But you find very soon again, the mind has wandered away, either in the past or in the future, but never wants to remain in the present. And this technique wants you live in the present as it is, as it is. We find quite a few new students when they come to the course, first day, they get frustrated, they get irritated, they start generating negativity. Negativity towards oneself, negativity towards one's own mind. Oh, what sort of mind I am carrying? Such an easy task, just observe, do nothing, and yet it can't do. Then the guide will say, no, no negativity, no anger. Anger is anger, whether you generate for others or towards yourself, it is dangerous, it is harmful. You have to come out of that mad habit. Just accept the fact. You are observing the breath, mind wandered away. And as soon as you realize mind has wandered away, accept the fact. At this moment, my mind has wandered away. All right, the breath is still there. I start again, start again. Patiently, persistently, patiently, persistently, and continuously. That is why these ten days are required. You have to work continuously, continuously. Mind wanders, you bring it back. Mind wanders, you bring it back. You will find the second day, mind becomes little more calm. Third day, more calm. Not totally calm, but much better compared to the first day. And you will notice, because you are working on the small area and just with the truth, 
the whole technique requires to remain with the truth, truth as it is, from moment to moment, from moment to moment. No imagination, totally prohibited, no imagination, no verbalization, no visualization, no suggestions, auto-suggestion or outer-suggestion, no imposition of this philosophical belief or that philosophical belief. Truth as it is, as you experience from moment to moment. So breath as it is, you're working on it, nothing else but on this area, aware of breath, aware of breath. Law of nature is such, when we are working with the truth on a small area, the object of the truth starts becoming subtler and subtler. The breath becomes subtler and subtler. In many cases, it becomes so fine and so short, like a thin thread. As it comes out, it makes a U-turn, goes in, comes out, goes in. So thin, so subtle. And mind is observing it, observing it. Mind also starts becoming subtler and subtler, sharper and sharper more and more sensitive. Working for three days, the mind becomes so sensitive that it starts experiencing some more realities. Again, realities pertaining to the mind-matter phenomena, nothing else. Nothing else should interfere. Otherwise, you can't explore the truth about yourself. Your imaginations will start working. Your beliefs will start working. Your philosophies will start working. You are not with the truth. In a scientific way, you are exploring the truth about yourself as it is, as it is, you will find some subtler realities have started manifesting. Throughout the body, every moment, there is some biochemical reaction or the other. Every moment, there is some electromagnetic reaction or the other, which manifests itself as this physical sensation or that physical sensation. There are physical sensations throughout the body, outside, inside, different kinds of physical sensations. When these sensations are very gross, solidified, intensified, like pain, pressure, heaviness, one can easily feel. But there are so many, so many different types of sensations throughout the body. Deeper, 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 one reaches the stage where there is nothing but very subtle oscillation, oscillation throughout the body. One has to reach that stage, then the mind becomes so sharp, so sensitive, can feel all the different sensations. Therefore, at the end of the third day, mind has become more sensitive and you start feeling some sensation or the other in this area. Actual sensation, again, no imagination, no imagination. Any kind of sensation, it can be heat, it can be perspiration, or throbbing, pulsing, vibrating, tingling, heaviness, numbness, anything. You can't choose sensations. It is a choiceless observation. The nature keeps on playing its role. From time to time, different sensations manifest themselves. Your job is just observe, do nothing, just observe. Observe the reality as it is, reality of this moment. And never make an effort to create a particular sensation, a fruitless observation. Let nature play its own role. Whatever comes up, 
whatever manifests itself, just observe, just observe. On the fourth day, you start working from the top of the head to the tips of the toes, and you find every part of the body, there is some sensation or the other. Every moment, there is some sensation or the other throughout the body. Every part, every particle, one reaches the stage when every atom of the body, wherever there is life, there is bound to be some sensation, some sensation. You have to experience it, merely accepting it because your teacher says so or because Buddha said so or because the scripture says so, it won't help. You have to experience, experience. Initially, of course, on the fourth day, many students feel only very gross, solidified sensations, pain, pressure, heat, perspiration, etc. One keeps on observing, observing, without reacting to these sensations, just observe. Observe objectively, without identifying yourself with these sensations, no I, no I, no mind. Sensation, a sensation, just observe. Initially, when you started observing the breath, one feels that this is a physical function, the lungs are working, and that is why you have this breath coming in, going out. Yes, it is true, but not totally true. It is not merely a physical function. It has got so much to do with the mind and so much to do with the mental impurities. As you are observing your breath, observing your breath, mind wanders, past, future, some thought arises, some fear arises, some aspiration arises for the future, and you generate some defilements, maybe some negativity, maybe fear, maybe ego, any defilement, and you will notice, as soon as you generated any defilement in the mind, the breath loses its normality. It is no more normal. It becomes slightly hard, slightly fast, and when that particular impurity is gone, again it becomes normal. So it becomes clear that why this enlightened person wanted you to be with the truth, nothing but truth, and that followed with the saints of India, Adi, such, Jugadi, such, Hebi, such, Nanaka, Hosebi, such. You start with the truth. Initially it will be a gross truth, subtler, 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 subtlest truth pertaining to the material structure, subtlest truth pertaining to the mental structure. And as you are proceeding on the path, observing, observing, without reacting, just observing, mind becomes purer and purer, comes out of the old habit pattern. And then you transcend the field of mind and matter and you experience something which cannot be described in words. All this field of mind and matter is arising, passing, arising, passing, ephemeral, ephemeral, and you don't get stuck with that, you just keep on observing, you transcend it and you experience something where nothing arises, nothing passes away. It is the ultimate truth, call it by any name, but this has to be experienced. And once one experiences it, again once comes out in the sensorium world. A totally changed person, totally changed person. The whole life pattern starts changing. The practice is to purify the mind and keep on understanding how this mind and matter phenomena, without understanding how it keeps on creating bondage after bondage for us. You notice the breath, 
it is related to mind and matter. Now you start observing the sensations. Again, apparent level it looks, it has something to do with the body. Sensations are on the body, yes. But who feels them? Body can't feel, the mind is feeling. Strongly related with the mind. And as you proceed on the path, it becomes clearer and clearer that mind feels the sensations and not only feels the sensations, it starts reacting. If the sensation is unpleasant, it reacts with aversion. Sensation is pleasant, it reacts with craving. Craving, aversion, craving, aversion. One reaches the stage where one realizes that every moment throughout the body, at the depth of the body, at the depth of the mind, every moment there is some sensation or the other, whether one is asleep or awakened, sitting or standing, lying or walking, eating or drinking, in every position, in every posture, there is some sensation or the other, some sensation or the other. The surface mind does not feel it unless it is very gross. Deep inside, at the root level, it keeps on feeling and keeps on reacting. Feels, reacts, feels, reacts. If it is pleasant, then reacts with craving. Unpleasant, reacts with aversion. Raga, dvesha, raga, dvesha, craving, aversion, craving, aversion. This has become the habit pattern of the mind at the root level. How we try to purify the mind at the surface level? Unless we go to the root level and purify the mind at the root level by changing this habit pattern, a mad habit pattern, out of ignorance. Ignorance in the sense that one does not know what is happening deep inside. Whole life one keeps on working with the surface level of the mind, does not know what is happening deep inside. So the technique helps you to come out of this ignorance and be aware as you work deeper, 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 you start feeling different kind of sensation everywhere at the root level also. Pleasant sensation or unpleasant sensation. And you notice, look, look, there's a reaction. Craving, aversion, craving, aversion. Then you are taught, understand, whatever sensation has manifested itself, is it eternal? Just observe. Is it eternal? Does it stay forever? No. Every sensation has the same characteristic, arising, passing away, arising, passing away. A very gross, solidified sensation arises, seems to stay for some time, but ultimately passes away. It's not eternal. And when it turns to very pleasant, subtle vibrations, same characteristic, arising, passing, arising, passing, with great rapidity, high velocity, same characteristic, not eternal, not eternal. This is not an intellectual game. This is not being accepted out of emotion or devotion. One is experiencing, like a scientist, one is experiencing, look, rising, passing, rising, passing. Something which is so ephemeral, what is the sense to generate craving towards it? What is the sense to generate aversion towards it? This wisdom arises at the experiential level. And the habit pattern of craving, aversion, craving, aversion starts getting diminished, diminished, diminished. One comes out of this. One comes out of this defilement. All other defilements are the product of these two, craving, aversion, craving, aversion. 
and the habit pattern changed, whatever you experience within the framework of the body, you are aware of it, aware of it, understanding it is not permanent, it is not eternal, let me see how long it lasts, and it passes away. So you don't generate craving, you don't generate aversion, not that in ten days one becomes so perfect that no more craving, no more aversion, no. Don't come with that expectation. But you got a technique. How to train your mind to come out of the old habit pattern? You are working for one hour. Maybe hardly one minute you are really equanimous. You maintain the equilibrium of your mind. You don't react. One minute only. That one minute is so valuable. It becomes two minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, fifty minutes, sixty minutes. You keep on working. You have to change the habit pattern of the mind very patiently, very persistently. And then it becomes so clear in day-to-day -day life. If the technique is not helpful to us in our day-to-day -day life, then again it becomes a rite or a ritual, as every religion has got rites, rituals, ceremonies. Look, I have taken a ten-day course. I have finished this rite, this ritual, this ceremony. I am a very religious person now. What religious person? You still have impurities in your mind. You still have craving, aversion, hatred, ego, negativity. How you are a religious person? The essence is lost. The inner essence, inner essence wants you to have a disciplined mind, a pure mind full of love, compassion, goodwill, and live the life of morality. Don't perform any action, physical or vocal, which will harm others, which will hurt others, which will disturb others. It becomes so easy to live a moral life because when you become more and more efficient to feel the sensations in your body, then you will notice every time I perform an immoral action, physically or vocally, every time I cannot perform any immoral action without generating some defilement or the other in my mind. First I generate some defilement, some impurity, and then I perform vocal action, physical action, which will harm others. This great scientist discovered that, and he said, you first harm yourself, and then you harm others. You can't harm anybody without first harming yourself. This is not to be accepted because Buddha said so, not to be accepted because a particular tradition says so. With your experience, you will notice, whenever you want to harm anybody, Say you want to kill somebody, how can you kill? Unless you generate enormous time of, type of anger, hatred, ill will, animosity. And if you are a good meditator, Vipassana meditator, you will notice there is a burning sensation throughout the body. Palpitation increases, tension gets built up. Look what I am doing. I have started harming myself. I am becoming so miserable. So before you harm others, you start harming yourself. Similarly, you steal something which does not belong to you. You can't steal unless you generate greed in your mind. And the moment you generate greed, you will notice, if you are a good meditator of Vipassana, observing sensations, you will notice you lost the peace of your mind. You lost the harmony of your mind. You lost the balance of your mind. You become miserable. What I am doing? You commit sexual misconduct, rape or adultery. You will notice, you have to generate tremendous amount of passion, lust, and you will notice, 
I lost the balance of my mind. I lost the peace of my mind. I started harming myself. Nobody wants to harm oneself. Similarly, vocal actions. Any vocal action, you speak lies to deceive others, you will find disturbance in the mind. You speak harsh words which harm others, hurt others, you feel. You lost the balance of the mind. You are becoming miserable. Every action, physical or vocal, which harms others, which hurts others, which disturbs the peace and harmony of others, cannot be performed without first harming oneself. More and more, this becomes clearer and clearer at the experiential level, the habit pattern starts changing. Habit pattern starts changing. One starts living a very happy life, harmonious life, peaceful life, good for oneself and good for others. Moreover, this technique helps in another way also day-to-day -day life. See, anger as a reason, or passion as a reason, or fear as a reason, any impurity that a reason, according to the law of nature, as discovered by this enlightened person, nothing can arise in the mind without a sensation on the body. Nothing can arise. So any defilement that has arisen in the mind arises with a sensation on the body. Say anger has arisen. One notices sensation is there. Now when there is anger, you are miserable, you want to get rid of it. How to get rid of it? A very common way given by some saints in the past, which is very workable, just divert your attention. If anger is there and you feel very miserable, divert your attention. Divert your attention by reciting some name, name of this deity or that deity with whom you have got great devotion. And as you start reciting that name, reciting that name, you might, your mind gets diverted and you find now that impurity is gone. It has gone only from the surface. It is pushed deep inside. A good Vipassana meditator will know deep inside it is boiling, still boiling. Any impurity that arises, arises with a sensation on the body. So this technique was given. When any impurity arises in the mind, there is a sensation in the body, keep on observing that sensation. Keep on understanding this particular defilement has arisen in my mind. Anger or hatred or passion or fear or ego, any impurity. Now this has arisen in my mind. Not due to this reason or that reason, nothing doing. Anger is anger, passion is passion, fear is fear, whatever it is. And according to law of nature, there must be a sensation on the body. And you are a good Vipassana meditator. You are asked to observe that sensation. Keep on observing. And you keep on realizing the sensation is not permanent, not eternal. It arises, passes away, arises, passes away. This particular defilement that arisen is related to these sensations. So this defilement is also not permanent, not eternal, bound to pass away. Let me see how long it lasts. Let me see how long it lasts. It cannot overpower you. It becomes weaker, weaker, weaker and passes away. You are not slave of that particular impurity that has come. A wonderful solution was found. To work at the depth of the mind, the deepest level of the mind is constantly in touch with body sensations. And once you develop this faculty,
to feel these sensations in the body, different types of sensations in the body, and remain equanimous. Don't lose the equilibrium of the mind. Equanimous, equanimous. Whatever is the reason, loses its strength. Weaker, 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 passes away. You are out of it. So this wonderful technique which helps you first to feel sensations, for that you require a very sharp mind. And for that purpose, three days continuously you are working with the truth, nothing but the truth, and you find your mind is becoming sharper, sharper. You start feeling sensations everywhere, different types of sensations. And then equanimity with the sensations start changing the habit pattern, changing the habit pattern at the root level, not just at the surface level. A big change comes in the life. When the mind is full of negativity, the first victim of negativity is oneself who generates, generates negativity. You are the first victim of your negativity. You become so miserable. And then you don't keep this misery limited to yourself. You keep on throwing this misery on others. When you generate negativity, anger, hatred, the entire atmosphere around you gets charged, charged with this vibration of hatred. That means vibration of misery, misery. You are miserable, you make the entire atmosphere so miserable, anyone who comes in contact with you at that time bound to become miserable. You're harming yourself, you're harming others. One starts thinking, what I am doing? What sort of life I am living? This is not the proper way of life. I keep on harming myself. I keep on harming others. And on the other hand, when one notices a defilement is gone, mind is pure. By nature, pure mind is full of love, full of compassion, full of goodwill, peace, harmony. One starts enjoying the whole atmosphere. When you're full of peace and harmony, the entire atmosphere gets permeated with this peace, harmony. Anybody comes in contact with this atmosphere at that moment, starts feeling peace and harmony. Dharma, Vipassana is for this purpose. How to live peacefully and harmoniously within ourselves and how to generate nothing but peace and harmony for the atmosphere outside so that others can also live in peace and harmony. There is law of nature, you can say law of the God Almighty. And whenever you break this law, you are punished. You are living in a, in a country, you break the law of the state and you are punished. But it takes long time. A case goes from this court to that court to that court. It may take years together before you get real punishment. Sometimes you may miss the punishment also. But the law of nature, the law of God Almighty is such, you have to suffer. The moment you break the law, you suffer. And the law is, keep your mind pure, free from negativity. The moment you break this law, you become miserable. Miserable. Nature starts punishing you. That becomes clearer and clearer. This is what the saint said, Hukumarajai, this is the law. This is what the nature wants. This is what the God wants. Keep your mind pure, pure. And whenever you really keep your mind pure, reward, you feel so much peace, so much harmony. This law of nature, universal law of nature, applicable to everyone, whether one is a male or a female, makes no difference. Whether one is black or white or yellow or brown, makes no difference. 
whether one is of this country or that country, belonging to this religion or that religion, believing in this philosophy or that philosophy, makes no difference. Human being is human being. Human mind is human mind. The great scientist discovered how one becomes miserable without knowing that one is generating defilement in the mind at the deepest level. And how one can come out of this misery by going to the depth and changing the habit pattern of the mind. Everyone can practice. And that is why there is no religion in the world today, no religion whose followers are not attending 10 day Vipassana courses, no religion. Even their leaders are coming and coming and they find, oh, this is same as our religion. This is same as our religion because every religion teaches morality. Every religion teaches disciplined mind. Every religion teaches purity of mind, love, compassion, goodwill. There is no religion in the world which says, you may live immoral life, doesn't matter. You may not have a disciplined mind, doesn't matter. You may not have a pure mind, doesn't matter. No religion teaches that. But how to practice it? Here is a practical way. Spare ten days of your life. Very useful to you. I was thinking this, how can I spare ten days? Such a busy person. But when I went through these ten days, I found these were the most valuable, most precious days of my life. I got this technique which helped me throughout my life and still it is helping me. So spare ten days, come out of your misery at the deepest level and enjoy real peace, real harmony, real happiness, real happiness. Good. Thank you. My husband is an old student. I would like to experience a course shorter than ten days. <laughs> shorter than ten days. Bargaining. Bargaining. <laughs> I come from a business family, so I know how business people keep on bargaining. When my teacher told me ten days, I said, impossible, sir, I am such a busy person. How can I spare ten days? And understand, I am very intelligent. You give me the technique, I'll practice at home. Nothing doing. All right, one day, nothing doing. I had to spare ten days. So don't bargain, spare ten days. Your husband got benefit from it and you should also get benefit from it. I am already happy. Why should I practice Vipassana? <laughs> you are really happy? If you are happy, don't you want to become happier? And don't you want to become happiest? Practice Vipassana and you will become happier and happiest. Is there an effort to bring Vipassana to the Middle East right now? It is there. The management will tell you there are centers in this state. And here also there is a center. Joint tent is there. And more and more people start joining. There will be more and more centers throughout this country and throughout the world. Why isn't inner peace and harmony natural? Why must we learn and train to be at peace? It is natural. 
but you have made it unnatural. We keep on generating impurity, 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 and the natural peace is gone. So the whole technique is come back to the nature. Come back to the original nature where the mind is so peaceful, so pure. Is it necessary for a Vipassana meditator to take long courses such as 20 days, 30 days or more? First take 10 day courses. <laughs> and then think of 20 days, 30 days, 45 days or 60 days. Is it possible that you will visit Taiwan again? Well, there is center in Taiwan, there are teachers there. If necessary, yes, I may go, but at this uh, age, I don't think it will be very possible to go immediately. We'll see. But the courses are going on there. Take advantage of the courses there. The center is there. Join the courses in Taiwan. How is Vipassana relevant during these difficult times of September 11? Yes, difficult time. It was a great tragedy, very inhuman action of these people, cruel people. They don't know what they are doing. Just having attachment to their own beliefs, their dogmas, they are harming themselves, they are harming others. And one must learn how to face that. Of course, every government will do the utmost for the safety of the citizens, which the government is doing. But on your part, remain united and remain fearless. And this technique will help you that in difficult days, how to remain united and how to remain fearless. Full of compassion for those people, no hatred, but at the same time, strong action has to be taken against those people who are harming the law-abiding citizens. Many students are eager to meditate with you. What kinds of courses do you personally conduct in India? Every course that is conducted is conducted by me. Every evening you have my discourse there on the video. Every hour or one half hour you have instructions given by me on the, on the tapes. And there is a teacher who will give any explanation. So don't look for the course where I am teaching. Wherever Vipassana is being taught, I am there. Join a course and you will get the same, same benefit. I have found that Vipassana has greatly assisted my Zen practice. Why are practitioners of other techniques not permitted to participate in Satipatthana or longer courses in your tradition? Yes, any practice that you are doing, this technique will start helping you, no doubt. But then there's a danger that you start mixing up two techniques. And when you start mixing up two types of techniques, the efficacy of Vipassana becomes weaker and weaker. So for some time, without condemning, leave aside your earlier technique, give a fair trial to this technique, and see you get much more benefit than you are getting now. Does psychotherapy have any role in the practice of serious Vipassana student? Yes, this is psychotherapy. Buddha was the greatest psychotherapist the world has ever produced. The mind is ill, ill because of these impurities. And the technique he gave, purify the mind, purify the mind, you become a healthy person. So biggest psychotherapy that you have in Vipassana, make use of it. What is the role of self-inquiring in understanding the Dhamma. Not merely self-inquiring, but self-experiencing. 
know yourself at the experiential level. If you keep on just inquiry, who am I? Who am I? The answer might come, I am S N Goinka. So what? You have to experience what you are. What is this physical structure? What is this mental structure? And how, out of ignorance, there is a reaction going on at the depth of the mind and one is becoming miserable. That is more important for you to know than anything else. What is one of the most valuable instructions you received from your teacher, Ubakin? Vipassana. This was the most important thing I received from him. <laughs> so I have the same thing for you also. This is what I am teaching, this is what I am distributing. I got so much benefit from it, so much of peace and harmony. The life totally changed. I want to share this with all of you. So spare ten days and share the peace and harmony that I am experiencing. Can you talk about your personal practice throughout the years? How many times and how much you meditate? As I preach, so I practice. I ask my students, at least once in a year you take a ten-day course. I take longer courses, once a year. We both take thirty-day courses. Now we'll be taking forty-five-day courses. And then I ask the student every day, morning and evening, one hour, one hour, you have to practice. Whatever I preach, I have to practice. And this is what I am doing. I am finding so much benefit I got by maintaining the practice of every day. And the same will come to you when you start practicing. Are being bonds with inherent impurities of mind, who is responsible? Every individual is responsible. Nobody else can make your mind impure. Out of ignorance, one keeps on making the mind impure, impure. And with this technique, one understands how I am harming myself. And nobody wants to harm oneself. Everybody wants to live a peaceful life, happy life, harmonious life. But out of ignorance, without knowing what one is doing, one keeps on harming oneself. This habit pattern will change. This ignorance will go away. This is called enlightenment. You are aware what is happening. And you don't allow any impurity to get generated. Even if it gets generated, you don't allow it to get multiplied. You come out of it. Do you believe in God as a creator and soul? Do you equate soul to inner consciousness? There was a question in my mind before I entered this course. Oh, these people are Buddhist and they don't believe in soul, they don't believe in God. They are atheists. If I also become like this, I'll go to hell. This is not for me, not for me. That question was there. After taking the course, it became so clear that if there is a soul, this soul will get liberated. Because what we are doing? Living a moral life, purifying the mind, good for oneself, good for the others. Then what bondage will be for the soul? It will get liberated. And if there is a God, and He has created the whole universe, and He has created this law, you generate defilement, you will be punished. You keep your mind pure, you will get reward. If this is made by the God, you will be very happy. Look, law-abiding citizens, they are practicing vipassana, law-abiding citizens. Whether you believe or don't believe, that is immaterial. You practice which is good for you and good for everybody. All these philosophical questions will not take us anywhere. We keep on quarreling, quarreling on this and we don't get anything. How can young children practice? Before birth, 
a pregnant mother should start practicing vipassana come to a course when a pregnant mother comes to a course she is practicing not only for herself she is practicing for the child also who is in the womb what good vibration one is giving to the child purity purity love compassion goodwill the child gets such good nutrition one comes out a very happy healthy harmonious child and during pregnancy the mother keeps on generating anger hatred ill will what message are giving to this child the child will be very very unhappy throughout the life so this is a proper time when every pregnant mother should take the course and give good message good nutrition to the coming child many come to the courses many pregnant women come to the courses i want a dhamma baby a dham and they get dhamma baby very peaceful how gautama buddha's teaching differ from bhagwan mahavir jainism well whether it is gautama buddha's teaching or bhagwan mahavir's teaching unfortunately on the only the words remain the technique got lost when i came to india and i came in contact with people and going around the world i come in contact with people everywhere this teaching is there live a moral life live a moral life don't harm anybody don't perform any action which will harm others the teaching is there but mere teaching won't help you have to learn how to live that life whether you are a follower of mahavir or buddha or or muhammad or christ makes no difference learn this technique and be a good hindu a good muslim a good christian a good sikh unless one applies dharma in the life how can one be a good human being and unless you are a good human being how can you be a good christian or good muslim or good hindu or good buddhist be a good human being and this is what vipassana helps you to become a good human being do i have to give up my beliefs in order to practice vipassana if it is blind belief automatically it will go away and if you are experiencing and your belief is according to the experience your belief says don't generate negativity and you have belief in that and with the practice you find yes when i generate negativity i am the first victim i become so miserable then keep that belief but some imaginary belief which has nothing to do with your misery and nothing to do with your coming out of misery then that belief will automatically go away what is truth how do you judge if life is mithya nothing is true whatever true you have at the apparent level make use of it the truth of the mind and matter why because out of ignorance this mind and matter becomes a great bondage for you you all the time generate craving aversion craving aversion towards this mind matter phenomena and you want to come out of it the practice helps you to come out of it come out of it and reach a stage which is beyond mind and matter which is eternal nothing arises nothing passes away which is amrit one has to experience that just accepting it at the intellectual level or emotional level does not help so practice it and you will find that you are experiencing you will reach the stage where you will experience the ultimate truth but you have to start with the apparent truth and get come out of it no more craving and aversion towards this apparent truth meditation practice benefits us so greatly 
Yet in your teaching, students are made to feel that unless they sit or at least one hour, it doesn't count, doesn't that discount the efforts of those who are not always meet the goal. It is a mental exercise. You learn a physical exercise somewhere, say yoga, asana, pranayam, or any other kind of physical exercise, jogging, walking. You learn and then don't practice, what benefit you will get? Similarly, you learn this mental exercise and practice every day, then you find you are getting benefit of it. Merely coming to your course of ten days and forgetting it, then it becomes a rite or ritual or ceremony, it won't help you. Practice every day. Mrs. Goenka, how do you manage to be a Vipassana practitioner while being a mother and a wife? She practices, no problem. No problem. This is to say that the householders, for the householder, Vipassana is a must because in the life of the householders, so much ups and downs, ups and downs come. So many responsibility, multifarious responsibility, looking after the children, looking after so many other responsibilities. One is most of the time losing the balance of the mind. By this technique, one maintains the perfect balance of the mind. The children are also happy, the whole family is also happy. One is happy, the whole family, one makes happy. So it is good that householder, the family people should practice Vipassana. Is a guru needed for Vipassana? No. A guide is needed. Don't come under the clutches of the so-called guru. The guru nowadays, they just exploit people to make money. Come, come, I will teach you. Oh, Goenka takes ten days. I will teach in one week, weekend. Come, come. But give me so many dollars. Give me so many dollars. Then it is not spirituality. It is just a business. Spirituality has become a business commodity. Don't encourage such people. They will be harmful. I am a serious meditator and I am also studying acupuncture, herbal thera therapy, massage therapy. Can I be serious about all of them at the same time? Yes, nothing wrong. We only say that when you practice any kind of healing where vibrations are used, outside vibrations are given an input in the patient who is a Vipassana meditator, then there is a clash. A Vipassana meditator always observes the natural vibration within the framework of the body one's own natural vibration, and here you are giving some artificial vibration from outside. However good it may be, there is a possibility, and there have been cases when there is a clash inside and one gets big misery. In two cases we found, lost the balance of the mind. So one should be very careful. All these therapies are very good, provided they are not mixed with Vipassana. Those who practice Vipassana must be away from all these therapies because Vipassana itself is a wonderful therapy. What is the reason for closing the eyes when meditating? Closing the eyes because with open eyes, your mind gets distracted, whatever you see. With closed eyes, everything that you have to see or you have to feel is within the framework of the body. And that is why it is important later on, when you reach high stages, then even with open eyes, you feel everything inside and you feel everything outside also. That is a higher stage, but you have to start with closed eyes. Is Vipassana closer to Mahayana or Hinayana? Vipassana is neither Mahayana nor Hinayana. It is Dhammayana. <laughs> Buddha taught Dhamma. Dhamma means a way of life, law of nature, which is applicable to everyone. 
Later on, these things started Mahayana, Hinayana, Tantriyana, Mantriyana. We don't condemn them. Still, every yana comes out of the same, same tree, the branch of the same tree. So they accept the inner essence, the same inner essence, four noble truths, and then the eightfold noble path, and this origination with the conditional origination, pratitya samutpad, arising due to this reason, arising due to that reason. That is the same everywhere. And this is the crux of Buddha's teaching. So long as you practice this, you call yourself Hinyana or Mahayana, doesn't make any difference. How can one know that the experience beyond mind and matter is true or real and not trick of the brain? When you will experience that, you won't come to ask me any question. <laughs> experience it. Unless I think at future, how do I create a work of art, write a story, write a song? Yes, you have to think of future. We are not taking away from you to imagine something of the future. But while you are practicing, then you have to remain with this moment as it is. And then in your daily life, you have to think of the past also. What mistake you did in the past? You are not repeating the same. Future also, what step you have to take? You are not taking any step and you are thinking of far away. Then you are just waiting, wasting your energy. You are not to remember anything and yet you keep on remembering so many things, you are wasting your energy. Wherever the need is, you will go to the past, remember what, what has happened in the past and you make your plan for the future, for the next step. This is very essential and Vipassana will help you for that. Only one? And after that I am liberated? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Out of strong Christian belief, some people refuse to bear anything, to hear anything about Vipassana. Because there is great misunderstanding, people do not understand what Vipassana is. Otherwise, why such large number of Christian priests and nuns are coming to the courses? Till now about 2,000 Christian priests and nuns have participated. And every year, hundreds of them, they keep coming, they keep coming. I remember the first missionary group who came, one very elderly mother superior, at the end of the course he says, Koinka, you are teaching Christianity in the name of Buddha. I am teaching spirituality, which is the same everywhere. A Muslim always comes to the course and he says, Oh, this is what we find in our Holy Quran. The same thing is there, but we never knew. We never could interpret it properly. Now we understand. A Hindu says the same thing. Our Gita is, is talking about Vipassana. A Jain says the same thing. But because unless one practice, one cannot realize. So if you are a Christian, don't hesitate. You will become a better Christian. Come. This is what Jesus Christ taught. Purity of heart, love, compassion, goodwill. And you will get this in practice of Vipassana. May all of you enjoy Purity of heart, love, compassion, goodwill, happiness for you, real happiness for you.